very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. This is Naren, your host. Today, I'm super excited to have a client, a longtime friend, and a very successful dentist, Dr. Carl Macmillan. Dr. Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron. Happy know, to be here. Thank you. I know you and I met, you know, I think in 2008. This is almost nine or 10 years ago. And back then, we had a website called Busy Moms, and we were doing marketing and, uh, you know, helping moms who wanted to work from home. And uh, you saw something, uh, you know, one of our emails where we wanted to interview you, if I'm not mistaken, for Busy Moms, and you got in touch with us. And uh, back then, we didn't have hardly any dental clients. We maybe had a handful, and uh, you really helped us a lot. Um, you introduced me to IOMT, and we currently have 40 clients, you know, who are members of IOMT. And uh, you have been a mentor. You have told me straight what I do right, what I do wrong. <laughs> uh, so I really appreciate you and your honest, um, you know, perspective on life and business. Thank you. So for those of us who don't know you that well, um, I know you as a very successful dentist. I know um, you are in the top half a percent or even smaller than that in the entire country when it comes to dentistry. Uh, you work four days a week and you are very, very, very good at what you do. So um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your story, just so that all of us kind of get to meet you virtually, so to speak? Sure, Aaron. I um, uh, I'm not really sure uh, what all I should share about myself. I, I typically don't like to draw attention to myself. Um, I um, and again, I don't even know exactly what all everybody would like to know. But I grew up a kid of a pastor, a non-denominational pastor, uh, hardworking, poor. Uh, man and wife, my mother, um, raised three of us children um, in a Christian home and um, didn't really encourage or discourage uh, further education, but I knew from very, very early on that I wanted more. I wanted education. I wanted more prosperity so that I could help people like like I was growing up, um, and uh, and so I I set out on that journey very early to be successful and to search for a passion in my life, and um, so ultimately, without too much uh, discussion of how I got there, I um I ultimately decided on dentistry, and. Very early on, in fact, in the very first semester of dental school, I knew that I, I wasn't in complete congruence with traditional dentistry because traditional dentistry placed mercury fillings in people's mouths and um, used fluoride and uh, things that I just didn't feel were 
congruent with human health and uh, or animal health for that matter. So um, I um, I trudged my way through dental school and ultimately, I believe, became brainwashed to some degree and got out of dental school. Um, I think you said that I could tell some of my personal stories, but um, almost got thrown out of dental school because I um, challenged the whole use of mercury. And I was told to either sit down and shut up and learn what I was supposed to learn, or I wouldn't make it through dental school. So I did. And, and thus I uh, became uh, what I call brainwashed into traditional dentistry and stopped thinking for myself for a little while. And I think that's key is thinking for oneself, um, not believing things at, at uh, face value always um, or ever for that matter. Um, and, um, and so I, um, I started in my practice, um, became what traditional dentistry would call very successful. I, uh, I had a, uh, swamped, busy practice that, uh, grew, um, exponentially really. Um, and I was told in dental school, we were told that takes five years to establish a practice, 10 years to get to a level of comfort, and then you cruise. Well, within three years of me opening my practice, I would say I was cruising. I was uh, financially sound and um, had a lovely practice full of wonderful people. But I, like I said earlier, I'd been brainwashed into um, traditional dentistry. So I was placing amalgams, using fluoride, um, using metal-based crowns, doing traditional dentistry. And um, I, um, on a financial note, I was successful, but yet something inside of me didn't feel successful. And um, with my family growing and my second son's birth and then his normal progression and then a sudden reversal of his normal progression and actual into regression um, neurologically. Uh, ultimately, he was diagnosed with um, autistic spectrum disorder and um, it maddened me. It, it, it literally made me um, temporarily insane trying to figure out what happened with my perfectly normal, progressive little boy? So everything led me to um, heavy metal toxicity and other toxicities for that matter. And I knew that my little boy had not been exposed to any mercury fillings, but still I wanted to know what he was toxic with. And so we did some testing and he was actually toxic with mercury. That led me um, to um, questioning mercury fillings and wondering where his mercury came from. Did it all come from his mom, from her mercury fillings, or what? And, and um, I discovered the connection to vaccines, and I won't go deep into that right now, but um, it, it 
twisted and I call it a, a proverbial slap in the time shift to change our way of thinking that proverbial slap in the face for something to affect us personally um, to shift our thinking and at that point I made the decision to not only practice uh, without mercury fillings, but to practice um, holistically, more in tune with anything that has potential detrimental effect to the entire human organism, the entire body, I didn't want to be a part of. Yeah, I, I transformed what was my traditional practice into this, what it is today, this more complete holistic uh, practice that focuses on whole body health and not just dentistry. So when did, when did this happen? When did you make that transition or start making that transition? Um, it, it happened in um, July of 1998. So almost 20 years ago. Wow. And it all started with that personal story with your son. Yes. Yes. Can you, um, I mean, you have actually run a very successful traditional practice and you have run a, and you do run a very successful holistic biological practice. Um, can you yes. describe the difference, you know, from the point of view of purpose, relationships, e even time and money, just at a high level, you know, what, what, what's different? I mean, looking from outside in, as a human being, looking at your life, what's different? Well, first of all, um, I think that we all need passion um, about anything that we do in life, but particularly about something that we spend more than a third of our life doing, um, and that's our work. And so, um, you know, I, I've always loved people, and I think that that's what made my traditional practice uh, successful. Um, and I think it's what's made my holistic practice successful financially as well. But both of them, um, the traditional practice and and the holistic practice achieve um, success in, in every facet, really, um, because I have more time with patients. Um, I have more purpose because my purpose is their entire being instead of just their pearly whites. Um, I... Um, because of my um, business model, I keep my overhead down and my financial success is really good. Um, and um, I have, uh, you know, um, I'm losing my thought here, but, you know, I touched on the time the money, the financial success, the purpose, and then um, help me out here, Naren, the, the other yeah. category. Um, Time, money, purpose, 
and relationships. Relationships. That's the, and I can't believe I couldn't think of that, but that's the biggest thing to me. I, I have so much more passion about what I do because I get to spend more time building personal relationships with my patients. My patients don't, in, by far and away, they don't call me Dr. McMillan. They call me Carl um, because that's who I am. And I believe that they're part of my family. I treat them, try to treat them like they're part of my family. Um, and that's blessed me in so many ways. To me, that's the most successful part of my practice, even though the other areas are very successful, um, inclusive of being in the top half percent or better in the nation in productivity and income. Um, I, uh, I pride myself on the success that I have building relationships with not only patients, but with staff and with other treating um, caregivers, providers. Um, it's I, I just can't put enough uh, emphasis on what that means to the joy that I get out of what I do. Yeah, let's talk about relationships. Naren, I, I want to add a little bit to that. I mean... It, you know, but I um, I travel three hours between my two offices, three hours one one way, so six hour round trip, um, because I love my patients and um, the relationships that I've built with them, and and um, it it's a difficult thing even leading into my what I call my twilight years of practice trying to decide how do I um, slow down and not feel like I'm abandoning these people that mean so much to me right right they become part of your family they become part of you know why you are here on this earth for in in the sense you know it's more than just yeah just fixing somebody it's really you know helping them live a healthier lives and uh, and and their life kind of gets intertwined with your life yes contributing to their journey here on this earth right positively yeah you know you were going to ask me something yes um, I was going to ask you, um, you know, if you look at what we call traditional dentistry, and I, I want to talk to you about two, two parts of this. One is you talked about passion, purpose, and uh, you wanted to do something uh, with the rest of your life that meant something to you, that you kind of makes you want to get up in the morning and drive three hours and, you know, see all these patients and do what you do. Um, so I want to talk about the purpose and how you discovered that purpose uh, and how it transformed your life. That's kind of one of the big areas I want to touch on. The second area I want to touch on, and I want to actually start with the second, is relationships. Because I know there are a lot of dentists, you know, the only thing that comes out of their mouth is, you know, insurance and people don't want to pay for treatment. And, you know, um, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but majority of dentists, you know, um, kind of are not having fun and they're not really having a great life either. They're kind of almost like 
doing a job, doing something they don't really enjoy, and then just feeling trapped. And you live on the other end yeah. of the spectrum. You are in the top 5% financially. But beyond that, you love waking up and doing what you do. And beyond that, you love uh, doing it with the people you do it with. So I just want to kind of touch on that, especially the, the relationship side. Like, Tell me why do you feel it's important? Tell me um, how you look at the whole thing. Because, of, of course, you are looking at the world in a different way than majority of the people. Yeah. So I just want to kind of get in your head a little bit. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's, that's a, a, a deep question that, that could take some effort to uh, fully get out verbally, but um, I would say that um, because I found something where I truly feel like I make a difference, um, the reward is that. The finances are something that, in my opinion, take care of themselves um, because I never worry about I don't have quotas. I don't, I don't, I don't practice and I've gone through practice consulting. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on practice consulting and I don't use, I don't use very much of what I was taught in those because it was all centered around numbers and my practice is really centered around people and the numbers take care of themselves. Um, I, I fortunately don't depend on insurance paying me because I ask my patients to pay me at the time of service, whether it's a three, $300 filling or a 30 or $50,000 treatment plan. While I do have compassion and realize that, that not everyone can easily come up with um, those kinds of numbers to pay for their dental health. Um, what I've experienced with building relationships is I've had more people that have either said to me that's more than what I make in a year or that's what I make in a year or that's just shy of what I make in a year or that's more than what I paid for my car. Um, I've had more of those people do full treatment plans with me, I believe, because of my relationship with them than, um, than even their desire to have the dentistry. Um, I, um, gosh, uh, my philosophy really is show people what they need, in my opinion, arm them with the information to decide um, if it's right for them or not, and then let them decide with no pressure. Um, and, you know, traditional dentistry, when I was doing that and, and um, following consultants, it was more of a hard sell and find a way for the patients to, uh, to make it happen so that they do it no matter what. And um, 
I don't practice like that anymore. I practice on give the patients the information, let them decide, and they will decide. They'll make the right decision for themselves. Um, and that right decision for themselves is really the right decision for me because uh, who wants who wants a, a patient or a client to have buyer's remorse? They're not they're not ever happy clients. Um, so I um, I and I don't believe that every body has to have what I have to offer. I I believe that it's an option for them and they should have all the information to be able to make a choice, but shouldn't be forced to make a choice. You know, what you, else uh, can I expound? Yeah, you, um, you said something very profound and I, I think that's very true. Um, it's almost like the money or the numbers you said take care of themselves. So it's almost like a byproduct, right? You kind of do something that you believe makes a big difference in other people's life. And you do, do it with 100% of everything you got. And you focus on the relationships and the human side of it more than the mechanical or the science or everything else. And yes. somehow everything just works out. And you happen to be in the top five, half a percent, but you don't even try to be in the top half a percent. No, I don't, I don't put any effort into that. It just happens. Right. I know you like booked out, but how, how long are you booked out, doctor? When is the next available appointment to come see so, you? Yeah, so my new patient visits are right now booking in the spring of 2018. So, you know, six months or so right. um, in both of my offices. And, um, and to be all, to be completely forthcoming and honest about that, there are people that make an appointment because it's so far out and they get tired of waiting or decide it's not important anymore. And, and they, not many, but some do cancel. And so occasionally we'll have an opening come up and we'll be able to call a patient and say, Hey, we can get in next week instead of uh, three months from now or six months from now. And, um, but more often than not, people are waiting somewhere between four and six months or longer to see me um, for a new patient. Um, and I, and I want to expand on that and just say, just because they wait for a new patient visit doesn't mean that after the new patient visit, they have to wait as long for treatment. They don't. It's just that we spend so much time getting to know a new patient and sharing information both ways that um, we uh, we can't if we saw back to back to back to back new patients we'd only see be able to see three or four new patients in a day but we wouldn't be able to get any other work done so we limit we limit our new patients typically to one per day right because of the energy and, and time that it takes to put into them so talk to me about this uh, new patient visit. Give me some yeah. comment, like walk me through it. Okay, so um, so our new patients come in generally with their histories all filled out and with any ancillary materials that they wanna share with us. Um, the hygienist 
gets them back, um, greets them, uh, gets to know them a little bit, does a, um, a brief walkthrough, their, um, their reason for being there, and uh, describes to them what we're going to do for the visit, which includes a full-mouth series of x-rays, digital x-rays, so there's lower radiation. Um, they, the hygienist does a full charting, dental charting, including perio charting, periodontal charting. Um, and, uh, and then interviews the patient for why they're there, what led them there, what path they're on, those kinds of things. And then I come in the room and get to know the patient. Um, I, I want to know, you know, who they are, why they're there, what what led them there, what what their journey is all about, what they uh, what they would like to accomplish out of being at a holistic dentist versus a traditional dentist, um, and then I answer any questions. Um, listen to the, their story, and then I do an exam, which includes oral cancer screening, head and neck exam, thyroid exam, tooth, teeth, teeth exam, oral exam, oral cancer screening, um, and, uh, and, and then discussion of what I see and what I think their dental health has to do with their overall health. And, uh, and then more question answer kind of time and the, the visit's over. It's generally an hour and a half to two hours. How much of the time is spent with you versus with the rest of your team? Sorry? How much of that time is spent with you versus other people in your team? I mean, the patient time. Uh, it, it varies, but uh, anywhere from um, 45 minutes to an hour and a half of it is with me. And, um, and the rest with uh, the staff. Do you get into the treatment plan exactly or how, how, how does that happen? Or you don't even go too much into it? Um, yes, I do go into the treatment plan. Um, that's when I, after I've done the exam, then I do um, a treatment discussion based on their desires, what they want, and what I feel like is structurally needed. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, the ramifications of any of that to their overall health. Right. And, and then, then a treatment plan typically is formulated based on my discussion. While I'm discussing it with the patient, the staff is formulating it based on what I'm saying. And then it's presented to the patient for their, deci for their decision making, either then or later with no pressure. Um, and, um, and there is a rare instance when a patient might need full reconstruction, uh, dental reconstruction, because they have so much 
toxicity in their mouths, root canals, porcelain-fused metal crowns, mercury fillings, those kinds of things that I will ask the patient to come back for a second consultation for me to be able to discuss the treatment plan so that I have more time to actually sit down and formulate a plan. But that's, that's pretty rare. Um, even with complex treatment plans, I've been doing it for so long and my patients are so educated about what they want and need that generally we get to present treatment plan that first visit. Right, right. Typically, do they accept treatment at that time or do they go think about it? Like what happens? I would say 95% of patients accept treatment, everything that I recommend right then and schedule. 5% go home and think about it, call us back. I would say 90% of those call us back and schedule. The other uh, small percentage of people that um, don't schedule some of them call back a year later or longer and say gosh I wish I had come back in I want to get back on the treatment plan and and do the work and then some we never hear from because they go elsewhere no that's amazing 95 percent you know booking the treatment that you recommend I mean that's unheard of and uh... yeah yeah I, I have very high acceptance rate yeah, I mean, that's I, even in even in my even in my successful traditional practice, I would say that my acceptance rate was exceptionally high. It was in the 80, 80 plus percent, and I think the average office is less than fifty percent acceptance. Right. You know, the other thing you mentioned that was very inspiring to me is that you said um, all the books and all the consultants and everybody else. Uh, you came in contact with and you sp spent a lot of money with, they all told you to, you know, almost like do something to the patient, you know, sell to the patient, you know, uh, it's a yeah. trouble. And you did just the opposite. Like what's the, what's, why do you think what you do works? And uh, uh, I mean, like you are a person just like them. So what is it that the way you do it is so different and works so much better than, you know, the way most quote unquote experts tell you to do it. Yeah, I, I think the, the big thing there is that I'm real. I, I recommend exactly what I would recommend for my wife or my child or my mother or my sister. And um, I don't make any bones about it. I'll tell you another side story to that in a second. But I think the, the big difference is that the patients um, actually realize that I'm not pressuring them to do anything, that it's totally in their hands. I, my job, and in fact, this is a quote that I, I give them quite often. I say, my job is to educate you to your needs. Your job is to decide, do you believe me, number one? Number two, do you do some of it, all of it, or none of it? And that is your choice. So 
my job really is education and then handing it over to you to decide. Um, and, and, and I don't think that anybody leaves my office feeling like, Oh my God, they, they just sold me a package. They, um, they twisted my arm into something that I didn't want. Like I just bought a car recently and, um, there was this presentation for extended warranties and all these, all these protections that I understood was going to be a, um, slight, um, investment and, and that would be it. Um, but what those numbers that they actually showed me were, um, increases in monthly payment of this vehicle that I purchased or actually leased. And, um, when it, when it all came down to the paperwork being printed out, it was thousands and thousands of dollars more, like $13,000 more than, um, what I thought it was going to be. And, um, then I felt stuck. I don't want any patient to feel that way. I want, I want them to realize what their needs are and that it's complicated or not complicated. It's, um, whatever it is, it's theirs, they own it. And then they decide how do we proceed? And I think once they feel like they're in control, they make the decision for themselves. Right, right. Let's talk about... So uh, that, that, I, I want to add one more thing. I told you I was going to tell you a side story. And I think I've shared this with you personally, Naren. Um, um, but I, one of the consultants that I hired years ago, um, I won't call his name, but he had this, um, this, uh, belief, I'll call it a belief philosophy that, um, dentistry or any profession for that matter, that sells a service, um, depends on a, what he calls confrontational tolerance and um, that struck an accord with me not from a standpoint of sales but from a standpoint of his idea was that if a dentist was producing let's just say $50,000 a month in his office and back then that was a lot um, and he um, and he got sick and another dentist came in to fill in his shoes, but that dentist was used to only producing $20,000 a month that within a couple of months, that practice that was doing consistently $50,000 a month would be doing $20,000 a month and vice versa. If a $20,000 a month dentist was 
stricken by something, some illness, whatever, and a dentist came in that was accustomed to producing $50,000 a month, it would only take him a few months to get that practice up to $50,000. Why? Because we typically reflect what our tolerance is to productivity. So if, if you, um, what I got out of that, I guess is what I should say, what I got out of that is I should tell every patient everything I see in their mouth, everything, without regard to how much it's going to cost, because I owe that to my patient. That goes back to what I said earlier about education. But um, if, if I tell a patient everything that they need and they decide to do part of it, great. If they decide to do all of it, great. If they decide to do none of it, great. But they know what I believe they need. On the other hand, if I feel like, um, oh, this patient, that I prejudge the patient and I say, oh, this patient can't really afford all this or they mentally can't handle all of this at once, I'll just tell them the worst things I see today. And then they decide that they didn't like me or it, it didn't work for them and they go somewhere else. And this other dentist tells them, oh, you have this, 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 and this, then that reflects on me that I didn't do my job. And so that translated ultimately into my belief, my philosophy that I share irregardless or regardless of anybody's socioeconomic standing I share absolutely everything I see in every patient's mouth and let them decide, do they treat it or not treat it? It's theirs. It's not mine. And from that, I think you mentioned earlier or asked me earlier if I could share, but I, um, I literally told a lady one time that walked in with her hand over her mouth. She was so embarrassed about her teeth that she wouldn't smile. And this was in 1998, um, specifically. And I, I, um, I told her that she needed $32,000 worth of dentistry. And she looked at me and said, that's more than I make in a year. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you what you have and what you need to, to get to where you want. And, she said, oh, it's okay. I just wanted you to know where that stands. The very next week, that lady and her husband walked into my office and asked to speak to me. And when I came out to speak to her, she said, this is my husband, Tony. And, and I said hi to Tony. And, and um, he, um, he thanked me for my visit with her. And he wasn't there, but he thanked me for my visit with her. And he reached in his pocket and he said, we want to pay you in advance for all of her treatment. And I said, wow. And he said, you convinced my wife that not only does she need this for her health, but she needs it for her mental well-being as well. And, um, <clears throat> and so they, they did the treatment. But my point there is if I did not, 
if I not presented her whole treatment plan, which was way over her means, she ended up asking her father for part of her inheritance to be able to fix her teeth. She would have maybe done a little bit of what I recommended, but she wouldn't have gotten what she deserved. And that was total, total care. That's an amazing story. So you, you believe that you share with them what you would do to do if it was your mouth, if it's your, if you, you are the one sitting on the other side and absolutely. Um, right. Do you tell them this is more important, less important? Um, of course. I mean, I do prioritize things if they can be prioritized. But in that case with that lady, there was only one way to fix her, and that was to fix every tooth in her mouth at one time. There was no way to do it, you know, in increments. Right. So, <clears throat> um, absolutely, I do prioritize for folks, but I don't, um, I, I don't necessarily separate it until they ask me, can this be done in segments? Let me ask you this, doctor. Um, you talked about um, purpose. Can you expand on this? I know we haven't really touched on it. I know you are passionate about holistic dentistry. I know you are passionate about treating the overall health of a person, not just fixing a problem in their mouth. Uh, but talk to me about what did purpose do, do to your life as a person, as a dentist, and help us understand um, the journey. You know, of course, I'm sure you didn't wake up this way on day one as a dentist. I'm sure you arrived at this over time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think defining purpose is, um, is something that's individual. Um, and, and I've discovered that my purpose here in this lifetime is to help people. Um, and, and that's not just inside of dentistry. In fact, I would say it's dentistry is a vehicle that I use to help people. Um, but um, inside and outside of, of my dental practice, but um, purpose is, my purpose at this point in deriving or arriving at my definition of my purpose really took a lot of years because I was floundering. I, I, um, I honestly didn't go into dentistry for money. I didn't have any idea what a dentist made. I never looked to see what an average dentist made. Um, I decided to go into dental school or go to dental school because I wanted to go to med school. And even though I was accepted to med school, I was told that because I'm blind in one eye that I would not ever be accepted into an ophthalmology program, into an eye program, which is really what my interest was at that point. Um, because of being blind in my eye, I'd, 
I knew as much about eyes as I certainly knew more about eyes than I did about teeth when I started dental school. But um, that led really to um, more of a focus or a, a drive to the ultimate purpose that I've arrived at if, if, if I could say that I have fully arrived at my purpose. Um, but I, because I decided to go, uh, not go to, to medical school because I was told I wouldn't get into the program that I was interested in, um, I, I decided to go to dental school and had no idea, um, what that was going to lead to. And, and so your statement of arriving at, I would agree with completely. I certainly didn't, uh, I didn't even start dental school with a, um, a purpose in mind. It was other than, you know, service to mankind. Um, I did go into dental school for that. I felt like I, I could be a servant to other human beings. But, um, with that said, um, through some of what I shared earlier with um, my son, my mother-in-law being diagnosed with Alzheimer's, patients with all kinds of chronic illness, um, my own drive to learn more, um, all of those things helped me arrive at what I will call my current purpose. Um, and what what uh, excites me to get out of bed every day and and serve mankind? That's amazing, doctor. <clears throat> um, you know, everybody knows relationships are important, but um, I, I know you kind of answered this before, but I just want to ask it ask this question in a different way. Um, why do why do you think what you do or how you do it do it works is it because i mean you you mentioned some 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 things at the beginning of the conversation the first time you meet a patient it's never about who you are what you do it's all about them you know their journey why did they decide to go with the holistic dentist what do they want why are they there there you know um all of those questions you know to really get to know them. And in all of that, you never talked about you. You never said who you are. Of course, you know, when they go to your website and things, they learn who you are and things, but it was never really about you. And I don't know, I'm just trying to understand why do a lot of people find this so hard and you find it so easy? I mean, I mean, 95% acceptance rate when you are, when pretty much they have to pay pretty much for everything out of pocket or, you know, they pay you and then get reimbursed. I mean, I mean, that's amazing. There's something that you're doing that most people don't seem to understand or get. What is that? Um, I, you know, Naren, I, I would say that it's a few things that I've kind of alluded to or stated um, already. And that is um, it becomes personal. It, it's, it's about them and their decisions 
it's not about me and what my bottom line is or what, um, you know, what I can get out of it. it it's, it's truly about helping them get to a place that they want to be. And I believe that's true in any facet of um, business or life. I think if we help others get what they want, then they that will provide what you need or want and or want. Yeah, I remember one of the quotes you and I discussed a long time ago was Dale Carnegie. He said, the world is full of people who are grabbing and self-seeking. In that world, the yeah. rare individual who helps others get what they want has no competition. He said this 60 years ago, I think, or 70 years ago. And it's true today. Yes. It's true then. Yes, absolutely. So it's, it's pretty much what you're saying. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> So what he's saying is it's pretty much with every bone in your body, focusing on them, helping them get what they want and everything else just takes care of it, takes care of itself. Absolutely. Now, if you were not a holistic dentist, um, would this have been different? Would it have meant something different for you? Would your success have been less? I'm just trying to understand what's the extra 10% or 20% that holistic dentistry gives you both in living your purpose, in building those amazing relationships, and of course, being successful. Yeah, well, I mean, Naren, I would say that what holistic dentistry gives me different than traditional dentistry gave me is it gives me peace of mind every day that I've helped somebody. I've made a difference. Um, and not to say that you can't get that from traditional dentistry. I think you can. And I think I did, but not on the level that I do um, with holistic dentistry. I understand what you're saying. So um, by paying attention to the materials you use and their overall health, you feel you made a difference in that person's life. Or not even just the materials, just bringing back to them their individuality. Um, because so many of the patients that I see have seen 30 doctors inclusive of other dentists, but, you know, 25 or 30 MDs for their health and they all come away feeling like they're, they're not individuals. So even if I never, this, I think this actually is going to be the answer to your question even if I never do any dentistry on a patient, <clears throat> I believe that I can have a positive influence on them feeling like an individual. I want to dissect this a little bit more. 
So you're saying you don't see a number. You don't, when you see a patient, you don't see a number. You see a human being. Absolutely. And you I, pay attention to the human being a lot, you know, as much as you pay attention to the science and, 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 and the symptoms and the issues the person has. Precisely. Absolutely. Not only, not, it goes deeper than that, uh, Naren. I not only see a human being, I see a spiritual being. I, I see an individual that is made up of flesh, but has a spirit. <clears throat> and um, we all know that this flesh goes away. It, it, the flesh, the flesh perishes, but the spirit doesn't. Right, right. So you see that person inside, not just the outer appearance. I see, I see, I see them wholly. Um, no, no pun intended there. I, I see them holistically, wholly. Um, their body, mind, and spirit. Right, right. So you have, I guess, over the years, gotten better and better at seeing them wholly. Not just, you know, the dress they are wearing or what's in their mouth, but really the whole person. Their feelings, yes. their emotions, their thoughts, and really... Like you said, even if they don't spend one cent with you, it doesn't matter to you. You want to make sure that no. in 90 minutes, at the end of the, that 90 minutes, they feel a bit more as a person, as somebody who yes. has been heard. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Let's talk about relationships as it pertains to your team. I know a lot of your team members, you know, um, stay with you for a long, long time. So how do you think about relationships and teams? Like what's your perspective on that? <laughs> um, I, I guess, um, um, let me think about that for a second. Um, first of all, I choose staff not to be staff, but to be my partners. Um, I don't think I've ever treated a staff member like they were, and I hate to even call them a staff member, but I, I don't think I've ever treated them like they were subservient. Um, my team members, my partners in this work, um, I couldn't do it without them. And so when I choose them, I choose them based on their wholeness, what I get out of their spirit, their body language, their heart. Um, I want, I, 
want to know them fully and connect with them so that we are a team. Right. I know, I know um, that's the way you treat us. I mean, we have known each other for now nine years, if I'm not mistaken, or eight plus years. And, uh, um, you, know, um, you know, you don't lecture us, so you, you don't tell us this or tell us that. You treat us like equals. You know, um, you treat, I, I guess you treat us the way you like others to treat you. And it's, it's kind of refreshing. Like you said, it's not subservient relationship. It's, it's, like you said, a partner relationship. Yes, it has to be. I mean, this whole, this whole thing we call life has to be a partnership. Right. Right. I mean, none of, none of us can do it on our own. It's, I don't know how many people look at it like that, but you know, I'm a pretty strong, uh, independent guy, but I still recognize that I have needs that others have to meet for me because I can't do it all for myself. Right. So, so life in life in itself is a partnership. Right. You serve your purpose, others serve their purpose. Together, we do things that we couldn't do alone. That's right. That's right. I mean, we can, we can simplify it any way you want to, but, you know, I can't build the roads that I drive on. I can't build the car that I drive in. Right. I can't make the light bulbs that help me see at night. Um, others can't, uh, fix their cavities or they can't create their computer programs or they can't set up websites. I mean, we all need each other. Right. That's great. But uh, more on the relational side of it, 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 it is with staff, with team members, it is a partnership. It has to be. And speaking of partnerships, I know you personally invest in people. I mean, without naming names, I know, uh, you know, you hired a dentist once who you wanted to kind of work with you and learn and grow. And for a long time, you paid him even though, you know, just out of your own pocket, uh, even though patients wanted to see you and not him. I, I mean, is that kind of comes from your mindset of, you know, a partnership and seeing people as more than just a tool to achieve your goals? Yes, yes absolutely. Um, my goal there with, with him was to make it comfortable while he was learning. Um, and, and that would come back to me in the long run. Um, and, and I still believe that I kept up my part of the bargain. And so it will come back to me in the long run. But even though he left, he left my office being a better person and even a better dentist than he was when he came. So, um, I, I believe that, that, uh, people are people. And like I said earlier, they're not just 
human being. They're spiritual, mind, body, and soul. Right. Whole beings. Yes. Right. Um, any other final words you want to share with the listeners, doctor? And if somebody wants to maybe call you or email, I know you're super busy, so I don't want to even put it out there, but any other final? <laughs> <laughs> I can't get a hold of you, so I don't want anybody else calling you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, Naren, I, I don't mind people contacting me. Um, you know, if it's, if it's dental related or holistic dentistry related, I certainly prefer for that to go through my office and my office's uh, emails are holistic dental centers at gmail.com. That's my carry office. Um, and that's holistic H O L I S T I C dental D E N T A L centers with an S C E N T E R S at gmail.com. That's the carry office. And then my Cornelius office is holistic dental centers to the number two at gmail.com. Um, if it's, if it's just a quick question, um, my email is Carl C A R L D M D 89 at gmail.com. Um, my office numbers are, uh, Carrie is nine one nine. Eight six five zero seven zero zero. My Cornelius office number is seven zero four seven six five three one five zero. Thank you, Doctor. We'll share all of this information along with the call notes, so people can easily get that. Get your email as well as your phone numbers. Okay. Any final words of wisdom before we depart? <laughs> Um, uh, wisdom, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but I would say something that I always say to my patients and that is listen to that internal voice, that inside voice. We all call it different things. Um, but, um, I, I, I believe that that's my guide that I listen to, um, um, my inner inner voice and um i think that one should always listen to their inner voice when they're making decisions right there's a great movie i saw uh, al pacino movie called scent of a woman and he gives a speech and he says oh yeah we all know the right thing but most of us don't do it because it's too hard <laughs> you know something yeah. along those lines so you're saying yeah. listen to that answer you already know the answer it just even if it's yes. hard to do it. <laughs> yes. We, yes. We inherently know that answer. Right. Even if it means that yep. you don't make a dime after spending two hours and giving your all, do it because that's the right thing to do. Giving your absolute best. Yes. Investment. Yes. And, and people get that when you are authentic and you give your all, people get that. Right. So that's an amazing way to look at life, look at uh, relationships, look at purpose. 
I learned a lot from you, doctor. And I know I've known you for a long time, but uh, this was a very good conversation where um, we reflected and uh, you shared, I guess, a lot of things you learned in, you know, 20, 30 years in one hour. So I really, really appreciate uh, you doing this for all of our listeners. And um, I mean, you are a great human being and, um, you know, I guess uh, that's really what matters at the end of the day. It's not uh, how successful you are and stuff. Of course, those do happen to people who are, you know, who do good work. But, um, but anyways, what drives you is your purpose. You know, you're caring for people. And I really appreciate everything you do and everything you've done for me and everything you've done for, you know, so many others. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Naren. I appreciate you. Thank you, doctor. Thank you everyone for Talk listening. To soon. Talk to you soon. Sorry. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Growing Dentist Show. And today you are listening to Dr. Carl McMillan. He's a dentist and um, we'll be sharing his um, contact details. If any of you have any questions and uh, you feel he might be able to, you know, give you some ideas or tips or thoughts, please listen to the podcast and feel free to share it.